0: Welcome to the FDD events podcast. I'm Cliff Mate, founder and president of FDD. I'm pleased to share with you the following conversation. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast so you don't miss out on future FDD events.
1: Good morning. It's Monday, December 18th. Israel has been at war for 73 days. I'm Jonathan Shanzer, Senior Vice President for Research at Foundation for Defense of Democracies. And welcome back to the FDD Morning Brief. Hopefully you've taken the weekend to relax and unplug, but that's not our thing. We keep at it, digging through the news, boldly going where lots of people could go, but often just don't. Then we pull it all together for you here on the FDD Morning Brief. It's all the news you need to start your week. So let's start that week, shall we? This morning, I'll be joined by John Bolton, America's uh, former ambassador to the United Nations and former national security advisor to President Donald Trump. I'm looking forward to this one. But first. Let's take a quick look at what's happening this morning. The Gaza war continues. The Israelis continue to uncover a large number of tunnels, including one massive tunnel that was revealed yesterday that measures more than four kilometers long and in some places more than 50 meters beneath the ground. The tunnel is wide enough for cars to drive through it. Just imagine if Hamas had invested in infrastructure above ground for the people of Gaza. What a waste of resources. Israelis are reeling from the news this weekend that three hostages were mistakenly killed by IDF troops. It's a tragedy, of course, but it's not surprising. Most Hamas fighters don't wear uniforms, so it's hard to discern who's a fighter and who isn't. It's even more stressful for the IDF because Hamas has tried to lure Israeli soldiers into traps by playing audio of crying children in Hebrew. Many IDF soldiers were in high-tech jobs or slinging falafel two months ago. I can't even imagine what it must be like to be in their shoes. And to this point, the fighting in Gaza has entered a new guerrilla war phase. Hamas fighters are mounting ambushes and suicide attacks. One gets a sense that the fatalities are going to rise. But I also believe the IDF is closing in on the Hamas core in Khan Yunus. The group appears to be getting desperate. Iran and Hezbollah attempted to attack uh, by cyber means an Israeli hospital this morning. Israel appears to have responded with a cyber attack of its own, knocking 70% of Iranian gas stations offline, according to reports. We'll be tracking that story closely. And finally, progress has been reported out of Warsaw, where Mossad director David Barnea met with the prime minister of Qatar. The two discussed the possibility of another hostage for prisoner swap. Okay, moving on to your top three big stories to watch today. Headline one, the IDF reportedly has a plan to invade southern Lebanon if Hezbollah missile and drone attacks continue. Here's what we know. Lebanese media is reporting more than 100,000 residents of southern Lebanon have left their homes. The residents of northern Israel have also been forced to evacuate in similar numbers. That means roughly 200,000 people have had their lives uprooted because of the decision Undertaken by Iran's Lebanese proxy to wage war on Israel since October 8th. So what's next? Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, met with his French counterpart yesterday. He called on the French to impress upon Lebanon the need for Hezbollah to clear out of the territory south of the Latani River. Good luck with that. The Lebanese government is in a political and economic death spiral. But you can't blame Eli Cohen for trying. This is the last-ditch effort to get Hezbollah to comply with U.N. Security Council Resolution 1701, which was designed to prevent another war after the last clash between Israel and Hezbollah in 2006. If Hezbollah doesn't comply, Israel has a plan. Nobody wants this war. And I mean nobody. So we'll wait and see. Headline two. Energy giant BP announced today that it was suspending Red Sea shipping operations. Here's what we know. The Houthi launches just keep on coming. Many shipping vessels have been hit, uh, and now we know that there are at least five international shipping companies that have announced that they will not transit this strategic waterway. If I didn't know any better, I'd say that the United States and its allies have lost control of one of the most important maritime trade routes in the world. So now what? With the Red Sea essentially shut down by Iran's proxy in Yemen, The Israelis are now scrambling to find other ways to get products delivered to their 10 million people. It appears that the Emiratis, Israel's best peace partner in the Gulf, have started shipping goods over land. It's not a sustainable fix. The transit time is long and the cost is high, but it's better than the alternative. And it's another sign that the 2020 normalization agreements are still a net positive. We'll take good news where we can get it, I suppose. And finally, headline three, U.S. CENTCOM Commander Michael Carilla visited yesterday with IDF Chief of Staff Herzl-Levy, Shin Bet Chief Ronan Barr, and Air Force Commander Tomer Barr, among others. Here's what we know. Carilla arrived in Israel at a sensitive moment, just as the White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan warned the Israelis that the Gaza War was going to have to enter a new phase. He wants the Israelis to dial back on the intensity of the fighting It all stems from pressure the president is feeling from within the Democratic Party, not to mention America's international partners. They all want to restrain Israel from the war of annihilation that Israel declared against Hamas after 10-7. That's a war that Israel's leaders want to finish. So now what? Karila has an important role to play here. If Israel does dial back that intensity, it doesn't mean that the fighting needs to stop. And it also doesn't mean that Israel has to stop weakening Hamas or even trying to destroy it. There may be creative strategies to deploy, and Koroa is a seasoned warfighter. He should be dispensing advice, and good advice at that. After all, President Biden vowed to help Israel defeat Hamas, the Israelis took him at his word, and the rest of the region is watching. America needs to show the Middle East that we say what we mean, and we mean what we say. Will we? Who knows? Okay, those are your headlines. I am now pleased to welcome Ambassador John Bolton. This is the man who took on the United Nations during the presidency of George W. Bush from 2005 to 2006. He then went on to serve as National Security Advisor to Donald Trump from 2018 to 2019, and he joins us for the FTD Morning Brief in 2023. Welcome, Ambassador Bolton.
0: Glad to be with you.
1: Well, let's dive right in. I want to ask you about all these attacks that the United States has been sustaining. We've been hit more than 90 times in Iraq and Syria. The Houthis keep on firing at our warships and they're disrupting uh, uh, maritime trade in the Red Sea. What's your take on all this? What would you have been doing differently? Were you still in that chair as National Security Advisor?
0: Well, I think uh, most importantly, this demonstrates beyond uh, any doubt that uh, what's happening here is the coordinated activity of Iran's surrogates in in the region. Even the Biden administration now admits it. Uh, It's not simply coincidental with the Hamas attack on Israel. I think this is all part of uh, Iran's strategy, the full dimensions of which we don't know, but elements of which are clear. And the fact is, uh, as what you just indicated in terms of commerce through the Red Sea, Uh, It's certainly succeeding. And the U.S. has not responded effectively either to the Houthi attacks or to the uh, Iraqi uh, Shia militia attacks. Uh, And I think what's happening is the Biden people are deterred by Iran. They're so worried that if uh, if they have to take measures against Iran directly, they'll never get back into the 2015 nuclear deal, which would be no great loss. Uh, and they'd have to acknowledge that Iran is the central threat to peace and stability in the region as a whole. Uh, What, uh, In in Iran's view, uh, the Houthi, uh, Hamas, uh, the Iraqi Shia militia are all expendable. Uh, They see these groups attack uh, the U.S. and U.S. allies, Israel in this case, and we respond by not doing anything particularly against the Houthis and by pinprick strikes against uh, positions in Iraq. Iran suffers nothing. Uh, It hasn't suffered anything really from the Hamas attack either. And I think that's got to change. Not looking to get into a larger war, but if you want deterrence to work, you have to convince your adversary that they're going to pay a higher price than they can ever hope to get from you. We are doing effectively nothing at this point to deter Iran.
1: So let's talk about that. I mean, obviously, Iran is behind all of this. You're 100 percent right. You imposed the maximum pressure campaign on Iran when you were national security advisor. The Biden administration has been far more lax about sanctions. Is the key here sanctions or is it really something else? Well, I think the Biden
0: administration has all but let the sanctions enforcement aspects disappear here. Very extensive Iranian oil shipments to China over the past couple of years uh, and i think that, that that's only what we know who who knows what else is going on and i think that's all because the biden administration again can acknowledge that uh, the 2015 nuclear deal was a mistake i think when you're being attacked uh, when american service members and civilian personnel both in uh, in iraq and syria american naval personnel in the red sea innocent civilian commercial shipping uh is uh, at risk here you don't wait for a mass casualty incident which would require a military response no doubt about it these are acts of war right now i'm not talking about something huge but but you there are any number of things that iran prizes dearly that we could take out air defense systems uh, uh headquarters of the quds force and other revolutionary guard facilities uh and and just to show that we know what's really at stake here their nuclear uh, aspects of their nuclear weapons program and ballistic missile program should be at risk too. Uh, This is not to start a wider war. This is to prevent Iran, American resolve
1: war. Let me ask you um, on the question of uh, defense strategy. Uh, we know that uh, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, is in the region. He's been meeting with the Israelis. Carilla met with the Israelis, too. What kinds of advice do you think that he's dispensing? Uh, and, and what do you think the U.S. strategy is or should be moving forward?
0: Well, it appears that the uniform American message to Israel right now is tamp things down. Don't do as much as you're doing. Notwithstanding President Biden's initial embrace of Israel, Prime Minister Netanyahu, now what they're saying is you're entitled to self-defense, but only a certain amount. I mean, the idea that you can adjust the tempo of operations or the intensity of operations in the middle of a conflict this complex, I think, reveals a naivete that's hard to describe. Uh, And let's be clear, what Israel has said its goals here are, which we have endorsed, is to eliminate Hamas. So for both the United States and Israel, particularly for Israel, people have to decide, do you want to win or do you not want to win? Uh, And I just advise everybody, but maybe especially the White House, what Winston Churchill said uh, in World War II, without victory, there is no survival. And I think that applies directly to Israel today.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. And I do, I, I can't help but note Uh, You know, all of this sort of talk about endgame that the United States has been demanding uh, of the Israelis, I mean, this seems like a U.S. invention of sorts, right? I mean, we're, I think, the only folks that have any idea up front what it is that we're trying to achieve and we broadcast it out to our enemies and then our enemies do everything that we can at what they can to disrupt those plans so when they demand this of Israel it just seems funny and I think the Israelis are uncomfortable with this they seem to want to win first before spelling out that end game. Do you think that's the right approach? Well, I think I think the advice the administration
0: is giving is objectively pro Hamas. You know, at the start of the war the advice I think was actually sound. Don't go in massively, don't go in before you're ready, plan your operations, minimize your own casualties, minimize civilian casualties. Uh, it took us nine months to a year in places like Fallujah, uh, in uh, and and Mosul in uh, in Iraq. This isn't going to go quickly. Uh, d- do it sensibly and do it right. Okay, fine. That's that's what I think Israel started out to do. Now the advice is you better hurry up. You're losing support internationally. You don't have much time. You better change the tempo of operations. I mean, you can tell Israel to go slow or you can tell Israel to go fast. You can't tell them to do both simultaneously. And uh, I think. Uh, You have to attribute to political fear in the White House uh, and the potential consequences in next year's elections. But that's not how you deal with the terrorist threat. If they see weakness, which I think is pretty visible on the part of the United States, they're simply going to continue until uh, our attention span snaps.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. All right. Shifting gears for a second. You've got a wealth of experience at the UN. You've taken on that deeply corrupt multilateral organization many times in your career. The system is clearly failing us right now. How do you propose that we try to fix this? Because it's so obviously broken. Yeah.
0: Well, I thought we had taken a big step back in the George H.W. Bush administration when we repealed the General Assembly's uh, infamous Zionism as Racism Resolution uh, I'm afraid it hasn't really had much lasting impact. I, I would recommend doing two things here. Uh, number one, it's clear the Security Council is broken. And I think any any resort to that as a way of uh, of resolving this uh, conflict, uh, should people should just dispense with that idea. But number two, and over the longer term, I think we've got to change the view of what the citizens of Gaza in particular are. This is not a nation in waiting to be born. This is a big refugee camp. And part of the problem over 75-year period has been that we really haven't treated uh, the people in Gaza, let's just confine it to that for the moment, as refugees. I would abolish uh, UNRWA, the UN Relief and Works Administration, uh, which is effectively an arm of, uh, of Palestinian government. I would replace the UN actor Uh, in that situation with the High Commissioner for Refugees, who understands that keeping people in refugee camps, and Gaza is essentially one big refugee camp, is the worst place to leave them. For the good of the Palestinian people, uh, they need to be treated like other refugees and either go back to their country of origin, which doesn't look possible under present circumstances, or find resettlement After The best thing for the Palestinian people for their families, is to integrate them into a functioning economy and provide a future for their children. That's not going to happen in Gaza. UNRWA and the UN Secretary General and and the whole mass of specialized agencies are simply contributing to uh, stealing their status as permanent residents of Gaza, which is no place to be.
1: Yeah, the sad irony, of course, is that uh... You know, there were so many of these Palestinians that were not refugees, but were treated as such by UNRWA for decades. Now, of course, we see an actual refugee challenge and UNRWA has failed to rise to the occasion. Um, Last question for you, Ambassador Bolton, before we let you go for the day. Uh, How do you think the Israelis are navigating all these challenges? We see a huge amount of critique in in the American media, uh, but it does seem like the Israelis have pushed ahead they are achieving their military objectives. Would you agree with that? Where would you criticize? Where would you praise?
0: Yeah, I, look, uh, there's a country and Western song in the United States. I won't sing it, but the lyrics go something like, when you're going through hell, keep on going. Don't slow down. If you're scared, don't show it. Uh, the, the news media are filled with stories of increasing pressure on Israel to do this, do it. You know how you deal with increasing pressure? You ignore it. If your goal is to eliminate the Hamas threat Get it done. Nobody else is gonna do it for you.
1: All right. I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, Ambassador John Bolton, for joining the FTD morning brief today. Glad to be with you. Okay, here are the other stories FTD is following today. Israeli media report that Hamas held a secret meeting last week in Turkey. In attendance were Khalid Meshal and Salah Harori, among other Hamas senior figures. Turkey needs to be sanctioned yesterday. My colleague Sinanjidi makes the case for this week in and week out. You can follow his stuff on our website. Speaking of which, my colleague and former State Department lawyer Ord Kittri, published a new memo on legal strategies the U.S. should immediately pursue against Qatar and Turkey for harboring Hamas leaders. It's worth a read, especially today. Today is Qatar National Day. I hope we see protests outside of that embassy today on M Street. My colleague Craig Singleton is digging into a new report from the House Select Committee on competition with the CCP. It's got nearly 150 policy recommendations that would enable the United States to compete more effectively with China. Several FDD ideas made it into that bipartisan plan. North Korea fired off a ballistic missile yesterday. Pyongyang condemned the arrival of an American submarine in South Korea as what it called a preview of a nuclear war. My colleague, Anthony Ruggiero, a longtime Korea watcher, is all over that one. Pro-Hamas sentiment is raging at Concordia University in Canada. My colleague, Lawrence Muscant, has been tracking this better than anyone. It's amazing this is happening in the Great White North. But I suppose we see plenty of that here in the United States, too. Read all of my colleagues' terrific work at fdd.org. Follow our spot analysis on X at FTD, and please do make that tax-deductible contribution before the end of the year at ftd.org/invest. Join us every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for more FTD Morning Briefs. Tune in on Wednesday for more news you didn't have time to read, plus my interview with Israeli Foreign Ministry spokesman Elon Levy. He's a rising star in the Israeli diplomatic corps. Thanks for joining today. I'm Jonathan Shanser, signing off for FTD. Thank mm-hmm. you.